Hi, I'm Matt Pacilli with the Virginia State Golf Association, and welcome to our Golf in the Commonwealth podcast. This week, we're talking with Carrie Abernathy. You may recognize Carrie's name from our weekly Clubhouse email, where we'd featured her in the member spotlight a few weeks ago. But for those who don't know, Carrie's an event planner, podcast host, and blogger through her blog, A Woman with Drive, where she shares ideas on leadership, elevating women, and golf. She's also recently begun contributing to Golf and Travel magazine. Carrie took up the game just seven years ago, and in this conversation, shares really relatable insight on how she came to it and how others can do the same. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Carrie Abernathy. Well, Carrie Abernathy, thank you for joining us on Golf in the Commonwealth today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. So, Carrie, a lot of folks may have learned about you, if they didn't already, which shame on them, but may have learned of you from the inclusion that we had in one of the most recent VSGA Clubhouse emails and your um, brand or website, A Woman with Drive. Mm-hmm. So tell us, though, for those people who maybe didn't read it and listen to the podcast, who are you and what do you do? I wear a lot of hats, so I'm going to like quickly hit on a few of those. Um, I am a full-time meeting planner, so I'm actually not in the golf industry full-time. Although I do take clients to golf events like the Masters next week, but we'll get to that in a little bit, I'm sure. I'm a podcast host for an event podcast like an event boss, but I also have this blog, A Woman with Drive, that ties together my love of golf and all things leadership and elevating women. So that's really, I think, why we are here today. Well, I mean, it's so exciting whenever we get to meet someone who is in their own line of work and in their own industry and own field, crossing over into golf and bringing some of the traits and some of the qualities that they've experienced over there and bringing those to golf. I think this is a time when we're all, those of us in golf, looking for more ways to include more people and trying to find sort of best ways to do that. And when you see someone who comes to golf in the way that you have, that's particularly exciting. So tell us a little bit about how you did come to the game. Yeah, um, maybe kind of a non-traditional way. I didn't start when I was young. I didn't pick it up in high school. My dad never golfed when I was growing up. I didn't have family members that golfed. I didn't have friends that golfed really. So I was actually in my 30s and I was getting invited to a lot of events industry, like fun tournaments, business tournaments. And um, the events industry is made up of 80% women. So they were very women heavy, but a lot of men were golfing. Women chose the spa option. One day I said, you know what? I'm not going to choose the spa option. I'm going to figure out what this is all about. Everyone is having a great time at these. Like I need to figure out what this is all about. So I, I started out on the golf cart, right? Going around, driving around, not hitting, too scared mm-hmm. to do anything. Um, and then, I, you know, I finally, at one event, I teed up and I missed the ball completely. But I was like, you know what? I can do this. I, I have this competitive spirit and I can figure this out. And let me tell you, spoiler alert, I did not figure it out for five years. I could not hit the ball to save my life. I could not drive. I could not hit on the fairway. I could putt kind of, I still, well, that's the worst part of my game now, but I just, I stuck with it. I loved being outside. I loved meeting new people. 
Um, I liked the ability to discover new places and it felt like this secret fun society that I had never known about my entire life. And I wanted to be a part of that club. So I started um, with lessons to learn kind of like some of the etiquette. You know, I realized really quickly, actually, um, stepping back a bit, I realized quickly that the business tournaments are not normal golf. So you're not going to go to a golf course and have um, a game on hole one and burgers on hole two. So that part kind of sucked. But... But, um, you know, I had to go and kind of learn the etiquette and I took a couple lessons. I think I got worse after the lessons, but there was just something in me that like, it it just lit a fire that, you know, why do anything else when I can be outside enjoying this awesome sport? And the only true competition I have is myself. And for Mm -hmm. me, that was just something that was so fun and exciting and different from anything else that I had done up into up till that point in life. Yeah. What was that? You know, I read an article that the National Golf Foundation had put out where they had referenced that a lot of amateurs, there was like a reasonable percentage of amateurs who have maybe stepped away from the game who haven't had what they would describe as that shot that they hit or that contact that they had that kept them coming back. What was it? For you, did have you have you hit that shot? What was it like? Yeah, well, I, you know, I'll say the first time that I actually figured out how to drive, how to hit a ball off of a tee. That that did not come naturally for me. I'm an ex softball player. Um, I'm heavily into. I was heavily into a lot of other sports, volleyball. Um, I have this bad bouncing problem where I like to literally bounce up and down when I try to hit the ball. Old problem that's been fixed. But when I finally made that first connection and I heard that ping, like it's just one of my favorite mm-hmm. sounds, right? I'm sure you know what that is like to hit yeah. that when you hit it pure, and you hear that sound, and you're like dang. All right. Um, I'm like tiger now. Right. (laughs) I think we've all had that moment. That's the thing that keeps us all coming back. It's, it's not all the other shots. It's not the 90%. It's that 10% or less. (laughs) How did you start to piece everything together in terms of building out your bag? I don't want to get necessarily into equipment, but you yeah. can you can have an interest in the game and then all of a sudden you're you're like oh there's a lot of hidden costs here mm-hmm. that may may not be hidden costs but you're just like oh but I've I've got to get clubs yeah. and they're expensive and then I've got to get balls and then I've got to look the part and all those types of things how did you how did you navigate through some of that Oh okay so this is fun I've until 2 weeks ago I had a hundred dollar set of clubs off of Amazon for seven years. Mm-hmm. And I just, I went and got fitted this summer and then I rejected all of it. And I went and I tried a couple of rentals and I ended up buying like a mid range rental set. But for so many years I was stealing clubs from like my boyfriend's bag or testing clubs from people that I, I, I go and golf alone a lot. So there are times when people are like, have you seen this? Like, would you try this? And I'm like, yeah. Or I'll just ask them, like, can I try your driver? Like, this is mine. It has this sort of loft and and this sort of shaft. Like, can I just see what yours is like? Um, I think you'll find people in golf are like so open to stuff like that, open to sharing, open to 
asking you to join, whether you're a male or a female. Um, I, that's, I think that's what I love most about the sport outside of, you know, those pure hits is that like camaraderie and that golf spirit that we all share, where we all get like hyped about the equipment and hyped about the particular, mm-hmm. whatever ball works for years for me, it was a noodle. Now I'm on a Callaway ball. Like it, it was just like a lot of, a trial and error and a lot of failure. But, um, you know, in my blog, I talk a lot about embracing fa- failure and loving failure and failure, failure and leadership. And there's a heck of a lot of failure in golf. So I feel like I'm one with that spirit. Well, right yeah. Now. I mean, if you're, if you're not good, if you're not good at accepting failure, you're, you're probably not going to enjoy golf. Agreed. It's, it's, you Agreed. have to have some capacity for, either losing or failing or not succeeding, however you want to sort of put that. And you talked a little bit about this also in the um, golf and travel article that you'd contributed to the February publication, where you talked about what a great release it's been during the pandemic. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. At the beginning of the pandemic, I was actually stuck in Denver, Colorado for several months trying to move back to Virginia and everything shut down. And it was way different than it was handled here Um, in Virginia. We literally everything shut down. You couldn't get onto a tennis court. They locked the courts. If you went outside Mm. to do anything outside of exercising in the grocery store or picking up medicine, it was a $900 fine. Like it was, it was crazy. It was night and day different. And they kept golf open somehow. Thank goodness. Like I already loved it so much, but it was like the one thing that I could do socially distance. Like I could still get out and it was, it was just sort of like my, it was my path to freedom (laughs) as it may have been for many people, even here in Virginia. Um, and when I moved back to May, you know, it, it was just another release for everything that's been pent up over this like really crazy difficult time. So I want to circle back to your clubs for just a second, because I know people listening are saying, Matt, come on, circle back to that. Circle back (laughs) to that. Why did you reject your fitting? Oh my gosh. I knew I shouldn't have said this. Um, I didn't have, don't, and (laughs) we don't want to know who fit you or where you got fit. We're not not trying to put anyone on blast here. Why did you reject it? I got fitted in Denver and it was just a crap experience. Like the person that was working with me, you could tell they weren't enthusiastic. They were just there to show up. They weren't doing their job well. And I was like, all right, this like something about this doesn't feel right. Yeah, I was hitting the crap out of a, a six iron or a six hybrid that I like loved. But I was like, okay, like I there's just something wrong. I could pay $4,000 for this set or I can go play around myself, which is, you know, as a competitive type A personality, self-reliant person, it was going to be the latter option. So mm-hmm. I went to a few places where I rented and I had these uh, women's tailor-maids in both locations and shot incredible both times, once in California, once here in the East Coast. Um, and I was like, you know what? I think these are my clubs. So I, I just got them and I've played on them a few times and I'm just, I'm in love. I'm happy. And I do have a couple of clubs that aren't part of the set. I have this, uh, I call it the chippy putty. It's a chipper putter hybrid thing that I've never seen before. Um, that I just picked up from my boyfriend's dad. And I don't even know if you can buy them new anymore. I think they exist on like eBay and it's my favorite new club. Um, and I have this approach wedge that I tried somewhere and ended up buying off of eBay and that's part of my bag too. So, you know, I have my, my faves, 
and my old my old clubs that aren't leaving me. I did go with a new driver, which I thought I would never do. So that's huge. What do you? What's your driver? It was a ping. Um, now it's part of the this tailor made women's Kalea set, and I really okay. never thought I was going to make the shift. But it's so much lighter. <laughs> So it's, and it's so much shorter and my swing is totally different now. So it was, I think it was a good purchase. Now you live in Blacksburg area. Is that correct? Ish. Yeah. I live up at Claytor Lake. So Radford, Virginia. Okay. That's right. Now, where are you playing out there? All right. So I have a few courses within about 30 minutes. Um, I'd call my home course, Reiner, Auburn Hills. We have some really great courses nearby. Uh, Draper Valley is a great course. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, the river course at Virginia Tech, the Pete Dye course over in Radford, right on the river. Um, that's a that's a big fave. Um, and there are a couple just uh, little ones. Thorn Springs used to be Pulaski Country Club. Sorry, my notifications are going off for work. Um, so yeah, I have I have some options here. Um, and I, I have a boyfriend up at Smith Mountain Lake. So I've been golfing a little a dabbling up there. Um, I am dying to play Primlin. I'm dying to play Old Mill. Haven't played either one. Um, and I do have a Pinehurst trip coming up, which I'm excited about, but that is not Virginia. So we don't have to talk about that one. Well, that's okay. I mean, we did feature Pinehurst on the cover of a Virginia golfer magazine recently just for um, the U.S. Opens and the USGA's relationship relationship there. And I think that that's a spot that a lot of Virginians can get to conveniently. I had one planned for a couple weeks ago. So um, it's uh, certainly a spot that's easy to get to. Let's take a quick break. And then I'd like to come back and hear a little bit about maybe some of the things you've had to overcome in coming to the game and some ideas to share with other folks. Carrie, you talked about how you came to the game um, through events and event marketing or event management and um, how you first kind of went around on the cart before you got comfortable enough to hit a ball. And then that's what got you involved with the game. A lot of people from the National Golf Foundation findings find it difficult, and this is why they sort of lapse out of the game, is they find it difficult to find a core group or sort of their tribe, if you will, of of golfers like them. You came to the game in your early 30s. How difficult was that for you? Yeah, you know, not as difficult as it as you make it sound or as they make it sound in the data. Right. Right. Um, for me, it was great joining that beginner's course because I was scared to death. I don't know why. The game's intimidating. It really is. It's int- intimidating for women and men, I think, especially if you get involved in, later in life. Um mm-hmm. So joining that, you know, beginner's class was great because I got to sit with a lot of people in their 30s that had no idea what was going on. I think there's this stigma around golf that it's so maybe uppity or uh, controlled and that people will get mad at you if you don't do the right thing. So there was a lot of things that I had to kind of get over myself. I just had to get over myself because they were just things that existed in my head that don't really exist in the real real world. So finding that tribe, you know, I was lucky enough to have uh, my best friend golfs. So we started going on golf trips. Um, There are some great women's groups out there. Um, 
I'm trying to think of the name of it. We'll come back to that in a little bit while I think on it. But she does some online courses and some in-person classes and kind, kind of brings together women in business and golf. So it's a great juxtaposition of the two. And it's based out of Atlanta. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to remember that name in just a second. Okay. Well, there's um, another group um, for the ladies. I don't know if you've seen stuff from for the ladies and yeah. Abby, what she's doing with that group has been really exciting. And they're partnering yeah. with the USGA now to share some of that, some of that messaging, which is very exciting. Yeah. And a time for nine. There are a lot of programs for women. So it's really, really, if you're a woman looking to get into golf, it's as simple as Googling and you're going to find a lot of people across all area, all, you know, skill levels um, from beginners to advanced. And we're all kind of, you know, they're opening people are embracing people with open arms. So it's, it's not quite as intimidating as it sounds. Yeah. From, from the way that you've described yourself as a type A outgoing type of person who then comes to the game in her early thirties, you're going to show up, I, I get, I'm guessing, and you're going to see some of the things that are there sort of unwritten etiquettes, if you will. And you'll just think to yourself, why is this here? Like, I just, why is this standing in my way of me going and playing golf? And whether that's some etiquette that's on the putting green or even in the parking lot. Yeah. And as long as that doesn't escalate too much, you're going to go continue to play, which is great because there are some of those old things. Yeah, that's true. I, and actually, I'm type A, but I'm, I'm not an extrovert. I'm actually an introvert. So okay. I, I found getting out there and golfing by myself one of the most intimidating things, but absolutely one of the most rewarding. And it's something that I started to do over um, within the last 12 months. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go out as a single and see what happens. And it seriously, the people have been incredible, wonderful, accommodating, nice. You'll find, I think as a woman, a woman, um, people are much more accommodating and excited that we're, we're out there than anything else. Um, and sure, like I've had those moments where, you know, I booked golf and someone looked at me and they said, you realize you have to play with someone. Right. And I'm like, wait, are you talking to me? <laughs> like, what, what do you mean? Like those things exist, but that's, that's part of their character and their issue. Like I'm going to get out there and have fun. And, and that's what it's really all about. So yeah, I've had those moments, but they've not been, they're not the norm. They've not been a barrier. Um, and again, I'm going to go back to that. Like the only competition is myself when it comes to golf. The only person that cares how I I do, um, is me at golf. And I found that, you know, when I've gone out as a solo, everyone else is just as nervous as me on the first tee box, right? It's not yeah. just, you know, carry a woman, a new golfer, someone with a, I, I have a high can handicap still. I'm like a 19. So, you know, um, and that's my putting game, by the way, <laughs> I need to dive <laughs> that in. But, um, you know, I, I found that once I learned that it was a lot easier to just be more comfortable comfortable with myself in the sport. Yeah. I mean, everyone, everyone faces those first tee jitters, whether it's the club championship or VSGA amateur, or even just yeah. a Saturday round. Right. So many people still experience that. You had talked about in your golf and travel article, the mental game and being able to sort of leave golf at the golf course and not having to carry that with you. It's a difficult thing for a lot of people to do. How have you, how have you done that? 
I think that's so funny because I, I guess I was so zen in that moment when I was writing that article. <laughs> I had a terrible nine and man, it was hard to leave behind on the course. Um, but I did. Um, and yeah, it, I'm, I'm getting to this point where I'm just like more grateful this year for everything, right? It's been a crazy, awful year for everyone. I'm grateful just to breathe the air, just to be outside. Like I really have to try to center myself after a bad shot and be like, you know what, what, like no one is, is getting hurt. I'm not at work right now. (laughs) You know, I've, I've just had to have those pep talks with myself and at the end of the day, I've done a pretty good job of leaving it out there. Um, it helps that I'm not like a scratch golfer and competing, but I do have a tournament coming up. So I'm hoping to kind of bring some of that Zen over to the first tournament that I've gone to in years. Yeah. I was going to ask you if you had aspirations or what sort of goals you're setting for yourself, where you want to get to with your game. Um, yeah, like (laughs) I think we all want to get better (laughs) all of the time. It started out, you know, seven years ago, I couldn't hit any shot. Uh, three years ago, I finally could hit the ball off of a tee. Um, I think I'm doing pretty good right now, being able to finally just make contact. So now it's kind of like shoring up that contact so that I'm not topping or, or off the, the toe or the heel or whatever, right? Like I'm just trying to make sure that I'm finding ways to connect with the ball trying different stances, trying different, you know, club angles. Um, and last but not least, dialing in that putting game, which I've been avoiding. I didn't even like putt-putt growing up. So that's not the fun part for me. Uh-huh. I don't know about you, but it's really like that. What is it What is it with your putting, do you think? Oh, man. I don't. Okay, so I mean, again, type A, incredibly impatient. Um, so I get up there and I'm like, okay, that's, that's the line. That's it. And I'm the, I am the worst to give advice because I don't practice beforehand. I'm not on the range. I'm rarely on the putting green and I'm realizing the importance of putting, practicing the putt to understand the speed Mm -hmm. wherever you play. Yeah. So I'm starting to realize. I thought you would say, yeah, speed is such a, it's such a big thing. And you can worry about, I would say, judging the break of a putt second. You have to have sort of an inherent feel for the speed and how hard you're going to hit it in order for it to take that amount of break that right. you're thinking you need to play. And I'm I'm sure that people will question my logic there as to why I think that, but that's, I'm that's, feeling that. that's just me. I had, I had the fortune. I, I was at an event, um, a fundraiser event 10 years ago, and I was sitting across the table from Tommy tolls. Tommy tolls in the late nineties led the PGA tour in putting. He led the PGA tour in putting and he was out. This is like the mid two thousands. And I'm sitting across from him and I said, Tommy, what is the key to putting? Is it high side with good speed or all doors are open with good speed? And he said, you think if I knew the key to putting, I'd be sitting here talking to you? <laughs> oh, classic. And I appreciated the heck out of that <laughs> because there's, it's, it's your own, it's your own game. And that's how we've seen the, the sort of growth of these other grips and other ways to sort of approach the pot 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. Speaking of, I, I was golfing with someone yesterday, someone who had never golfed before yesterday, and they stood on one leg to putt and their other foot was oh. at point behind them on their, on their toe behind them. I'd never seen anything like it. And we started talking about talking about putting like belly putters and long putters and the claw grip and the crazy things people are doing. And I was like, at the end of the day, it's just, it's so individual, like everything else with golf. Yeah. Like my fairway and, and wood swings and, and iron swing is totally different than my drive, but it works for me. Like that's what works. That took seven years to figure out and I'm still figuring out that out. So I think like golf is this puzzle. It can be this like really exciting jigsaw puzzle that you're putting together and you're trying different pieces and you're trying different equipment and you're trying different styles until it works for you. But it's not the same for everyone. I mean, look at Matt Wolf's swing. Oh, I love that. I love that. Wrapping up, tell me about your favorite course. Let's let's go favorite course that you've played. And then also what's your favorite course in Virginia? So um, I'm going to give you two for favorite courses because I've planned events at Pebble Beach, but I have not had the opportunity to play. But that sunset and the bagpiper, I'm telling you, it's like the best thing that's ever happened in the world. Like chills right now thinking about it. Um, Pinehurst number four, I played last year. I'm getting ready to play and review for Golf and Travel Magazine, Pinehurst number two in a couple weeks. Um, I head to Augusta next week for the Masters, so I'm super excited about that. Never played, never will play. That's fine. Um, course in Virginia, I am excited about Primlin. Um, I probably would say, oh, that's a hard one. Playing Old Hickory and Woodbridge in a few weeks. Um, so, but course that I've played so far, I'm gonna go local. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say the River Course. It's it's okay. challenging. It's Pete Dye. There are yeah. a lot of bunkers. There's a lot of water. It's uh, it's actually not that fun, but it's, it's challenging, and I need that. So I'm gonna go with the River Course. I will be shamed if I let you go and don't ask these questions. How? Tell me about this event that you're or you're taking clients to Augusta. Well, I can't say too much about it. Um, that's why I didn't mention who I worked for. Yeah. But, that's <laughs> right. but I'm a meeting planner. We take some high level VIP clients um, into Lake Oconee, which is about an hour and a half from the Masters. And we just have an incredible time taking clients to the event and holding hospitality afterwards. We hired a big name golfer whose name I cannot mention just to golf with our clients and spend nights with us in the hospitality lounge. Um, man, I wish this was after so I could tell you, but I can't in advance have all the disclosures in place, but we can, you and I can talk about it offline. People can reach out to That's me on right. my website, a woman with drive.com. I will, I will talk to you about it if you reach out to me there. And then tell me about your connection with golf and travel magazine. How did that, how did that come to be? How long ago did that come to be? What can you share with us about that? It, it's crazy. I mean, I have had a woman with drive the blog up for just almost a year now. It hasn't even been a year and um, we haven't even touched on this, but someone had approached me in the events industry. I, I speak a lot on leadership. I started a women's organization. I, um, I'm a coach in the events industry. So they had reached out to me to speak to the Women's Congressional Golf Association. They knew that 
like I talk about leadership. I talk about elevating women. They knew I loved to golf so that they thought that I'd be the perfect person to kind of tie all of those things together. So I was like, great. Yeah, this is good. Um, you know, I've been meaning to start this blog. Let me just throw it together real quick. So I threw, threw the blog together um, and the website together with a designer and uh, talked to this group. And I just started having people through social media um, and my Instagram page reach out to me like crazy. So I'm, my Instagram pages are carry.golf and woman underscore with underscore drive. And people just started reaching out. Um, I think there was this need for this, um, I don't know, some sort of mentorship for women in golf. Golf and Travel Magazine reached out to me through my website. They had found it. Um, I don't know if they had read one of my articles, if they had been on the Instagram page. I'm not sure, but the editor had reached out saying that they were looking for um, articles from a woman's perspective and, and wanted to know if I were, if I was up for the challenge, um, which I was. And then I kind of pitched this whole idea of reviewing other courses. Um, hopefully that'll be out later this year. We're going to call it uh, carry on course. So I'm reviewing a few other courses and a few other events this year. So really happened organically and overnight, a little bit crazy. So that's the story. And so if we went back seven years and said, Hey, Carrie, seven years from now, you're going to be really, you know, elevated in the leadership space across the country. And a lot of that is going to tie back to golf. What was your thought of that? I would have been like, you're ridiculous. Um, I was, <laughs> dare I say it, I was, again, I was, had just been to those tournaments. I was like still doing keg stands on hole number four, right? <laughs> like at these fun business events. You can totally scratch that from the record if you need to. I'm not super proud of it now, but that's how it started out, right? It was just, it was just fun and it was something I was terrible at. So yeah, I would have, I would not have ever in a million years thought that I would be here, but this is just uh, what the world. I guess one of the curveballs that the world throws us. I'm so grateful that we have people like you in in crossing into our industry, but also in Virginia who have come to golf at a time when there are more people looking for ways to welcome others into the game. And I know that the golf industry is benefiting from people like you uh, who are, like I said, kind of crossing into the game or taking it up um, at various stages in their life or even during the pandemic. Hopefully we can, at some point, if I'm out in your area, we can put something together and find a way to get some people together just around the game in some easy, low barrier to entry way, wear cargo shorts and a hooded sweatshirt. I think we need more of that. That sounds good. Let's do it. Well, Carrie, thank you for joining us on Golf in the Commonwealth. Safe, be safe in all of your travels, and we'll see you soon. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Golf in the Commonwealth and big thanks to Carrie Abernathy. I hope you'll take a second and subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening and please rate us and leave a review. Also, you'll need an active handicap index to play in VSGA events. So remember to visit your VSGA member club to renew your VSGA membership for 2021 or visit VSGA.org and renew online. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the fairway soon.